This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to Starting Up with Natalie Lindo and Virtue Zone. Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub on Dubai Eye 103.8. Hello there and a very warm welcome to the show. This is starting up with me, Georgia Tolley and Neil Petch, the chairman of Virtues. Neil, thank you for joining me on the lime green sofa. Good afternoon, Georgia. Always lovely to be down here in the business hub, the Atisalat business hub. Uh, I had a very pleasant experience parking today. I just drew up. You wafted, in, you wafted in 30 seconds after me. Oh, yes. In fact, I managed to make... No, I didn't. <laughs> That's outrageous. I got here before you today. <laughs> Last week, there was a little bit of a, uh, an interlude when Neil was on his own. That wasn't allowed to happen this time. We were here. We were here. So we have a fantastic program planned for you. Really, really awesome. Very topical. Uh, we're talking cash flow. Amazing lineup of guests. Obviously, the main thing in everyone's mind right now is COVID-19. Pretty much all anyone can talk about, anyone can think about. But it's very important that with the small and medium-sized businesses here in the UAE, uh, cash flow is a key issue for them, not least when people aren't going out to buy things as much as they used to. So we're going to be having a very honest conversation over the next hour about just how banks can help small businesses here in the UAE. Uh, We'll be joined by Diraj Kunwa. Now, he's the Managing Director of Business Banking at Rack Bank. Really awesome to have someone so senior from such a major bank on the radio. So it's a really good chance for you to get in touch with us and ask him questions. 4001 or you can use that free messenger app, the Play app. Uh, He'll also be taking questions from our two SME founders. That's Sharif Zaki. He's the founder of The Ambassador which is a platform that gives small and medium-sized businesses uh, discounts that are normally only accessible to the large corporates. Also, Christina Henry, who's the CEO and founder of You Rock Dubai, a one-stop shop for bespoke and customized gifts and products. Again, get in touch if you've got any questions for Rack Bank. Maybe they're your lender. Wow, that would be fun. They've always been great innovators in the SME sector, actually. And listen, cash flow is important at any time, not just uh, at the moment. So it's brilliant to have them uh, on the show today. Absolutely. And obviously, there's been some major news kicking off in the last 48 hours we had. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to grab that one because I love it. The UAE Central Bank. This was amazing when this came through, actually. The whole of VirtuZone was celebrating. UAE Central Bank has asked high street lenders to be more flexible with their SME clients to soften the blow caused by COVID-19. I really get the feeling that governments are starting to be listening and and, and caring. And the stuff that we've been asking for for many years is, is coming through through. So sometimes out of adversity rises opportunity. Are you struggling? Do get in touch with us. We want to hear what it's like on the coalface right now. And if you're looking for advice, we've got two fantastic financiers on the program shortly. Massimo Falcione, the CEO of Etihad Credit Insurance, a federal export credit company, and Lucy Chow, who I was talking with on LinkedIn earlier, Senator at World Business Angels Investment Forum. And we'll be ending the program on a high note with some sensible advice from business psychologist Mamta Saha. She's developed a list of daily affirmations that come in handy in times like these. Well Briefed, the business stories you need to know this week. 
So we got that Twitter uh, poll running at the moment. We want to uh, we want to know how you are doing out there, whether or not uh, you feel that you're getting enough help. We want to know whether you think that business stimulus package uh, that was released just uh, just a couple of hour a couple of days ago by the UAE government is having an impact on you. Simple poll, yes or no. Uh, Instagram. Well, we always like comparing how people are reacting on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Dubai I 1038 FM. Uh, Instagram, 31% saying yes, 69% saying no so far. Twitter, 21% saying yes, it's having an impact, and 79% saying no. Now, if you haven't heard about this UAE uh, stimulus package, which is quite possible because it did come out uh, quite late on Thursday night, you might have been enjoying your weekend. Uh, Dubai has unveiled a 1.5 billion dirham economic stimulus package for the next three months to support companies and the business sector. The initiative aims to enhance liquidity and reduce the impact of the current global economic situation following the outbreak of COVID-19. Noni Edwards has this report. The package has been launched by Dubai's Crown Prince and Chairman of the Executive Council, His Highness Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. Following the directives of His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, Vice President and Prime Minister of the UAE and Ruler of Dubai. It will help reduce the cost of doing business and simplify business procedures, especially in the sectors of tourism, retail, external trade and logistics services. The measures are expected to have a positive impact on all other sectors as well over the next three months. The stimulus package also features initiatives that seek to reduce the cost of living and doing business for citizens, expat residents and the business community through 10% reduction in water and electricity bills, including those charged in the residential, commercial and industrial sectors for a period of three months. Also, the deposit paid for water and electricity connections has been reduced by 50%. For the commercial and business sector, Dubai government has introduced a freeze on the 2.5% market fees levied on all facilities operating in Dubai. The second initiative extends a refund of 20% on the customs fees imposed on imported products sold locally in Dubai markets. The package also includes the cancellation of the 50,000 dirham bank guarantee or cash required to undertake customs clearance activity. Bank guarantee or cash paid by existing customs clearance companies will be refunded. Also, fees imposed on submitting customs documents of companies will be reduced by 90%. Local commerce will benefit from the cancellation of the 25% down payment required for requesting instalment-based payment of government fees for obtaining and renewing licences. This move seeks to reduce the financial burden on SMEs. In addition, commercial licences can be renewed without mandatory renewal of lease contracts in a move aimed at stimulating business activity and easing government-related procedures. Companies will also be exempted from permits for new sales and offers. The stimulus measures will be introduced with immediate effect and will be valid for the next three months. Following this period, the impact of the measures on the economic situation will be reviewed. That's Nonnie Edwards with uh, that report on COVID-19 and the 1.5 billion dirham economic stimulus package. Now, Neil, what did you think when this came through? You just mentioned a minute ago that you were rather pleased. Yeah, you mentioned enjoying Thursday night. I was enjoying Thursday <laughs> night and I enjoyed it all the more when this came through. And I, I think it makes me really proud to, to be living here in the UAE, actually. I mean, no need for huge committees and lots of red tape. 
you know, this was, this was announced and bang, they've gone for the jugular to support us. And also, you know, you, you constantly expect the big industries to be supported, but I was delighted that there was some support for startups here as well. So a couple of things that really hit home to me. One, one was that uh, it seems as if uh, the DED is allowing people to pay in installments rather than requiring 25% to be paid up front. And interestingly, and we'll need to clarify this, not necessarily requiring that businesses renew their lease when they're renewing their license because obviously what we're always trying to champion is keep the initial startup costs of a company down so that people can spend it on their staff and on their marketing and no more important time now than getting leads um, when they might be a little bit scarce, scarce. So you don't want to be spending money on a big expensive office when you want to be getting leads. I really like the fact that uh, local commerce is set to benefit from the cancellation of that 25% down payment required for sort of government fees for, yeah. for the licenses. That's brilliant. Uh, it's really interesting that the UAE government came out with this so quickly because obviously the UK government came out with a really impressive stimulus package quite quickly. But that was partly just because the budget was timed to happen at that time anyway. Yeah, but I think they ripped up the initial budget. I mean, that was completely and utterly not the budget that we expected over in the UK. So good for them for doing that uh, quickly. Another example of not having too much uh, red tape. The other one that really hit home to me, which I know my team were really excited about, particularly the guys who, who work on the mainland uh, setups, is, is the cancellation of the 50,000 dirham bank guarantee or cash required for customs clearance. You know, this is a trading uh, location, obviously, and we've got to try and encourage that. So that'll be great for that. I noticed because I don't really get into the deep dive into setting up businesses, I was like, mm, you don't have to pay for the electricity costs have gone down a bit for residents as well. I was like, that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to, to, to noticing that sort of impact. And then, of course, it's worth mentioning that, you know, the, the, you, the government in the U.S., the federal bank in the U.S. has uh, lowest, lowered interest rates, and the hope is that that will be passed on here to regional lenders here in the UAE. So that could make people feel a little bit more flush as the weeks go on. Absolutely, absolutely. And good practices. You know, we're talking about cash flow in, in the show today. Now, obviously, this is, you know, making us all look about how we can run our businesses a little bit more efficiently. When times are good, you tend to be a little bit blasé. Um, but now, that now is the time when you really put the microscope on this and perhaps run yourself a little bit more efficiently. A lot of other stories coming through in the news, not least uh, one just breaking out of the U.S. regarding Apple. Uh, they've made a, made a series of announcements just in the last few hours. Yeah, closing retail stores worldwide except for Greater China. What, what does that mean exactly, Georgia? I think it means the crisis is over in China. It's extraordinary. <laughs> it means, it, do you know, it gives us all hope, the sense that this sort of wave of COVID is going to sort of pass over the countries, potentially. I mean, you know that in Hong Kong, I, I mentioned this last week, hugely excited that Hong Kong has actually had a better flu season than normal wow. because they they brought in these really stringent checks. You know, schools were cancelled, people were told to work from home, and as a consequence, they've had a better flu season than expected. Let's just see whether that can be repeated as, you know, with, with the measures that are being taken. And what's happened? Sports gatherings in the UK, you can't, can you, can they, are they still going ahead? I know no. at Manchester City, no one goes to watch them, so it's safe there. <laughs> I, know, I don't know anything about football, but I can <laughs> sense a jibe when I hear one. I can sense a Yeah, my understanding is that all uh, big gatherings in the UK are cancelled. All the sporting events uh, have been cancelled. You've got uh, F1, I saw recently golf, 
cancelled, 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 cancelled. Uh, however, sport's biggest showpiece, the Olympics, will still proceed as planned according to the Tokyo organisers. I, I wouldn't put my money on that one going ahead. What's your particular say. form of greeting at the moment, Georgia? Uh, so, do you know, I was just kissing on both cheeks up until yesterday. And then as of yesterday, unless I know them personally, you're not getting a kiss on both cheeks, you're sort of getting the elbow bump. The elbow bump. I haven't bump. started kicking people what yet. What about a namaste? How do you feel about a namaste? Yeah, I'm all right with namaste. Right. You know, there's the, you know, it's sort of regionally appropriate. Not like, when you're holding a microphone. No, when you're holding a microphone. Well, you got, we could try it now, but it might not work. No, it wouldn't work. Although you can sort of hold it. No, but I'm not going to kick people. Also, I have a terrible sense of balance, so I'm either going to fall over or hurt them. Okay. And that, I'm, so I'm not progressing at that at all. <laughs> um, so more news coming through. Uh, British Airways, of course, uh, we are always very interested in what the airlines uh, feel over here because we have just so many staff working for Emirates. Obviously, Emirates, the fourth biggest airline in the world as far as you're talking about passengers. It's, you know, it's, I think it's the biggest when it comes to freight. Uh, but uh, certainly the BA... Uh, chief executive. Yeah, he uh, sent an email out to all of his staff saying, guys, this is really serious. This no punches. Is, this is more serious yeah. than SARS. This is more serious uh, uh, than anything we've experienced before. You know, we're going to unfortunately have to look at uh, some job losses. And actually, that's been mirrored in, in uh, the UAE. I know that one of the big publishing companies sent uh, an, uh, an email yeah. out to, to all of its uh, uh, staff about that as well. So how you communicate these things, I think it's, you know, we've got to, uh, as leaders of companies we've got to show people that we are planning that we're hoping for the best but planning for the worst and, and that there is a, a measured plan in place but at the same time you want to be motivating people so it's, it is a juggling act. It's a really tricky juggling act and um, one of our guests later on in the program uh, Massimo Falcioni he's the CEO of Etihad Credit Insurance he speaks about just that he his feeling is that we've just got to get through one or two quarters of struggle and that by he reckons that by Expo 2020 the whole world could be sort of starting to look up again and that Expo 2020 could could really mark that moment. Well, it's not that the money that people were going to be spending disappears. It's it's going you know into their back pocket, so it's ready to spend in a couple of weeks or, or months. Yeah. I've also got this theory that we're going to have that. I know it's not the apocalypse, but you've got to have that sort of post-apocalyptic life of affirmation, Absolutely. and the people are going to get to want to get out there. And having not been allowed to travel for months, they're going to be like, right, where is my holiday? And they'll have a little bit more cash in the back pocket. One hopes, although of course, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. If people are having to take unpaid leave and things like that, then there's going to be a lot of Netflix watching. Let's be honest, a lot oh, of yeah. Netflix watching. Uh, obviously, the U.S. Uh, President Trump finally, one might say, uh, or some people might say, reacting uh, to the realities of this virus uh, in a bid to limit the economic damage from the pandemic that has so far infected more than 138,000 people worldwide. The U.S. House of Representatives has passed an aid package that will finally provide free testing and paid sick leave. Uh, quite a lot of criticisms leveled at President Trump for not reacting uh, fast enough to that news. Slightly nearer to home, Saudi Arabia will suspend all international flights for two weeks. Starting Sunday, state's new agent uh, SPA said, Taiwan's going to require travellers from mainland Europe, Britain and Ireland to self-isolate for 14 days. Trudeau just isolated himself, didn't he? Yes, he did, because his wife actually has it. Mm. And you know that's the other thing that everyone's talking about with President Trump, is that he so far refused to be tested, despite apparently having come into contact with two people And, and now he's it. now he's saying, I might be tested, but not because I've come into contact with that person. He's so extraordinary in his politics. We must get Prince Harry online and ask him what he thinks about this. That's next. That's, that's my sort of guest 
bucket list there. You're on the guest bucket list there. I'm Megan as well. If you're listening, I'd love to have you on too. Um, meanwhile, the Philippines capital, Manila, of course, home to 12 million people, has announced nighttime curfews. Uh, that was on Saturday. That was last night. Uh, and urged shopping malls. Sorry, it's Saturday today, so it's this morning. And urged shopping malls to close for one month. I'd already lost track of the weekend. Uh, Jose Artio Garcia, the general manager of Manila Development Authority, said to limit the spread of the virus, we need to limit the movement of people. We are slowing down the movement of people in Metro Did Manila. you hear Boris Johnson's speech? He said it's all about reducing the sombrero effect, which obviously none of us had ever heard of. None of us of. have heard of this sombrero effect. But I do, actually, I do actually get it. It's getting, you know, I, I think we've sort of moved from, oh my goodness gracious me, to, yeah, there's a lot of us going to catch uh, uh, this thing, and but we're going to deal with it, and, and it's not really that uh, worrying. So it's making sure that the, I think all the governments, their duty is to make sure that they have enough facilities to, to cover everyone so that those very small percentage of people that are endangered by this are able to be looked after. And I think we're in the best place here to, to do that. Exactly. And obviously, uh, as a business program, we're not sort of necessarily talking about who it affects and how it affects them. But uh, worth mentioning that it doesn't seem to affect children that much, which uh, I think for all of us is slightly reassuring. Thank you so far for not mentioning that the over 50s... Well, if you must yeah. bring it up, it yeah. does turn out that men over 50 are yeah. more at risk. But I'm but still here. I'm sure there's no one that that's relevant to in this space. Startup Clinic. Right then, cash flow. What is it and why is it important to SMEs, Neil? I feel like a bit of a twit asking what that is question. It? It's, the, it's the flow, <laughs> it's the flow of, cash. of cash. Surprise, yeah. surprise, is what it says on the tin. Well, listen, I'm very lucky. I'm sitting here next to Diraj from Rack Bank, and, and uh, so I, I feel that my expertise on this area is, is incredibly small. But two things uh, actually cash flow. The first thing is when you set up a business, you actually want to be able to send invoices and, and send money. So you need to get the bank open in the first place. That's been a, a challenge for startups in, in this this area, and I know that uh, Rack and a number of other banks have really been working on that, so perhaps Diraj is going to tell us some interesting things. Secondly, once you've got started, you can have a brilliant business, and people, but if the cash runs out, you start, firstly, the owners start to stress about it, start to spend too much time internally dealing with all those processes rather than being strategic, and secondly, when you want to grow, you've really got to be able to put your foot down on the accelerator, and if you can't, you can't. So Cabbage, which is a U.S. financial services data company, recently did a survey. They spoke to 500 entrepreneurs about their use of capital, their mindset, and their health, especially regarding sort of worrying about cash, fl uh, cash flow. A few stats from the survey are very telling about the stresses and challenges of seeking and using other people's money effectively. According to this survey, 91% of small business owners spent as much as 20 hours a week on cash flow management, from handling payroll to invoicing and purchasing inventory. So if we were in any doubt of why it's so important, the cash flow subject is so important for entrepreneurs, that pretty much underlines it, doesn't it? Yeah, and part of that is also helping small businesses get access to technology that allows them to automate and manage that rather than ha them having to do it themselves. That's where we come in and where the ecosystem provided by Atisalat comes in as well.
Okay, so joining us now for an honest discussion about this, uh, we've, also, we've got obviously uh, Diraj Kanwa, who is the Managing Director of Business Banking at Rack Bank. Diraj, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. You must be busy during the week, so come in, to come in at the weekend is very much appreciated. Uh, we also have uh, Sharaf Zaki. He is uh, the founder of The Ambassador. Uh, that's an employee experience app that allows businesses to share perks and rewards with their teams, as well as managing a B2B market place that helps SMEs access corporate rates on business products and services. Thank you very much, Sharaf, for joining us. Thank you. We've done our elbow bump, haven't we? Actually, yeah, actually, when I came in, you were the first to offer me uh, hand sanitizer, which I appreciated. I obviously have that look about me, the look <laughs> of the person that needs hand sanitizer. Uh, and we've also got another guest in the studio with us, uh, which is uh, Christina Henry, the CEO and founder of You Rock Dubai, a fantastic uh, high-quality website uh, that offers uh, personalized gifts from candles to camel milk chocolates. I've just yeah. been checking it out. Thank you for joining us, Christina. Thank you very much for having me. Really lovely to have you all in the studio or in the Hello Business Hub because, of course, we are on this outside broadcast. I'm going to start with you, Diraj, because it's not, it's not normal for a banker to agree to come and sit on the sofa and be grilled by a bunch of SMEs <laughs> and, and journalists. So I'm going to take up the opportunity immediately. Uh, it has to be said that, obviously, these are trying times. I think to, to call them anything else would be slightly crazy. Have you already started to get feedback from the ground. Are your borrowers already looking for help? Yes, we, uh, during the course of last week, we did have at least two dozen of calls uh, seeking guidance more than support. And these are early days and, and we are working out internally to reach out to them proactively as to if these challenges were to persist, we are there to help. Unless you engage with the customer and give them the lifeline they need, it's not interest of the banking institution. To, to leave client alone to, to damage their business cycle. We have to stand up for them. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to ask you now whether you're going to be offering everyone a payment holiday, <laughs> but is, are those the types of tools that you could use? So as you know, we do offer uh, a Ramadan deferral, for example, year after year, where you know, the, the cash goes slow, and we do offer uh, a month of uh, EMI holiday, so to say. So these are the considerations that we are looking at. At this point, we are working on, on something, and, re and we will reach out to the customer, which is in the best interest of the customer as well as to the financial institution. So I turn to our SMEs. Uh, obviously, we've had about sort of, I suppose, two weeks now of this COVID-19 wave sort of hitting us here in the UAE. How has your business reacted to it so far? Christina, I'll start with you because I'm hoping that it might have not been too bad for you because you work yeah, in deliveries. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Yes. Uh, I sell both online and I have a retail shop in Business Bay. I do believe that the retail shop has taken a hit. I have a hotel above me, so I realize that people are coming less and less to the boutique, which is uh, something they expected. The online sales, luckily, touch wood, has not been affected so far, but I also do B2B business where I personalize uh, for companies, uh, um, like you said, well, like you mentioned before, scented candles, reed diffusers, fragrances, and um, all sorts of uh, corporate gifting. That has been affected as well because I work a lot together with event management and wedding planners, and obviously those uh, events have been canceled, so I've been majorly affected by the B2B, which is a, a large part of my income. That must be proving 
very testing for you. Very. And especially also being a mother and having the two kids at home and, you know, oh, yeah, uh, trying to entertain them, but at the same time happy that they are at home and safe at home. And so, I don't know. Uh, I prefer them in school. <laughs> I think what we have to recognize is, is that, you know, there's going to be more people at home with time on their hands. That means that the, the way they work, perhaps they're going to be taking that opportunity to be a bit more strategic, to plan things. So we as, as business owners can look at that and, and think, how can we adopt our strategy to play into the fact that they're trying to be strategic? Shiraz, what, what, what uh, are you doing with, with your business with this respect? Well, for us, um, we're a little bit more resilient to the tougher times because our business is largely all focused on helping businesses and people save money. So when everyone's tightening their belts, they're always looking for ways to save, so they look to us. Where we've shifted a little bit is uh, one of the main things we do in onboarding and launching our products is we do a lot of events with different companies where we come in, we show them how they can save, how their teams can save, and, and what they can do. Now, all these events are being canceled, so we have resources that are focused on this, which we have to reallocate to other places, and it's trying to find... Uh, jobs and things that they can do and be successful in without, uh, I guess, completely upsetting the apple cart. And um, as part of that, you know, we're, we're looking to see how we can support other businesses while they're going through, I guess, indecisiveness is the biggest way to describe it. What do we do right now? My meetings are being canceled. What's going to happen with these contracts I have pending? So um, we're trying to do a lot of work in this front to support that. And so, Christina, as far as um, cash flow, have you already started to see any problems? To be honest with you, I am in constant struggle of cash flow. So uh, the new situation definitely doesn't help. But as an entrepreneur, I think uh, I do mistakes and I did not plan enough maybe uh, my cash situation. So yes, I'm in constant uh, struggle with cash flow. That's why I'm very happy that you invited me and uh, that I can talk with uh, our yeah, friend our from Rack Bank <laughs> and ask some serious questions and uh, hope for support. Uh, yeah. We're not going to hold back, Diraj. You're going to get a full onslaught of questions as to how you can help. Yeah, I mean, Diraj, uh, um, you know, obviously part of this is how one reacts and one's got to react quickly. We were talking earlier about how the Dubai government has been very speedy in, in putting some stimulus in. But I know that Rackbank, in conjunction with uh, a number of other entities, have been really trying to think about how they can support the SME and startup community more, make it easier for them to get access to funds. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So tactically, uh, all our digital channels are open if a customer were to prefer a digital channel over a brand channel, uh, given the current uh, situation. On, on the startup side, as you know, that we are one of the very active players, and so much so that we have... Uh, a product called Rack Starter, which is a zero balance account aimed for startups, which comes with your integrated accounting and, and insurance package in, in addition to banking benefits. Because startups do need flexibility. You can't have a fixed regime governing startups because the very nature of their business is they need flexibility and they need support. On the funding side, the commercial banks would always have limitation to take unlimited risk because they need to serve their depositor and shareholders. But within that limitation, we, we still write uh, a significant number of new loans to, to, to small businesses. And for us, even one-year-old company is good enough to lend as long as they meet with the criterion and they have a clean record. So for us, it has not been a new, new drive. For us, it, it hasn't been a new territory. It's just hanging there and supporting them. 
I think a lot of um, um, startups, their, their question previously has been that there's been a grey area. I attended your, your event uh, uh, recently at, at the Marriott Marquis where you were, where you were talking about that and saying it's, it's about communicating to the customer quite clearly. These are the documents that are required. If you've got all of these, it should actually be a, a pretty quick process. Yes. So, I mean, effectively, we, we have the largest share in this business. And for us... We don't insist on audited financial. We don't insist on on a, on a consultant-driven uh, business plan, so to say, as long as the customer has a business. But we can't come at the startup stage because that's the space left for angel investors or the venture capitalist. But if you have a small business which is generating cash flow, there are various areas of services you can, you can plug into. Right. In the next few minutes, we're going to be uh, grilling Pauderaj about how uh, he can help uh, small and medium-sized businesses uh, to a greater extent. You're listening to Starting Up with Natalie Lindo and Zone Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub on Dubai I 103.8. Joined here in the Hello Business Hub, uh, we are out of the studio. We have ventured out into the wide world. We have Diraj Kanwar, the Managing Director of Business Banking at Rack Bank. Also, Sharaf Saki, founder of The Ambassador, which is one of our SMEs. And also, Christina Henry, the CEO and founder of You Rock Dubai. Now, Sharaf, I promised you before the break that you were going to have a chance to grill Diraj with your banking questions. Uh, what would you most like to ask him as an SME to a banking lender? So uh, from our side, I think uh, SMEs are constantly getting nicked with different fees from every agency, everywhere you can imagine. As a banking partner, you know, every month I look at my balance and I see one, two, three fees depending on the month. What can I do to avoid these? Switch to RagBank. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with RagBank. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, no, you're with RagBank. So within the packages, one thing we clearly advise our, our customers and the prospects that we have to get into the details. A lot of times when you engage with the salesperson and there might be different packages which is more suitable to you, I will, will request all our prospects or, or any customer for that matter to get into the details. There are products which may be suitable for you. There are products which may not be suitable for you. And you should insist on, on the tariff and you should insist all the related charges so that you know what you're getting into. So that would be my advice. Now, what I would say to you on, on this one is you've got to constantly keep abreast of what is being offered. Niraj is, is, is right. Go for the package that is most aimed at you. It's the same thing in the telecom uh, uh, area as well. If you've got a, a package that helps you, for example, travel a lot abroad, roam internationally, and you're not roaming, then you're spending too much money in, in the wrong thing. So it's understand that. And I'm afraid there's that caricature of, of a, an old customer coming in with a fake beard pretending to be a new customer, mortgages and, and, and so on. You know, people that have, have sales and marketing jobs to do, so they're going to have new offers to attract new customers. We, as existing customers, need to say, hey, guys, we've been loyal to you. Come on, what are you going to give for us? So you've got to keep on pushing, would be my, my advice. So we can definitely come to you as RackBank and say, listen, I'm on a package that's an old package. What can I do to fix this right now? Sure. So my sister works in business, and I know that one of the big things that she faces is not so much the long-term funding, because she's kind of got that sorted, but for some reason, from one week to the next, 
she might have problems with the amount of cash flow, literally. So she buys vaccines and then she administers them. She runs a travel health company and she buys in the vaccines and then it takes time to be able to get them out. So often she needs something like, I don't know, like 25,000 dirham, say. By the way, she doesn't work at this. She's in London, but she needs, say, 25,000 dirham just, just over three days. And the, the, the lending rates that she gets for that are just really punitive. Does Rackbank offer those types of sort of short-term non-punitive loans? Yeah, bridging loans. So the entire trade finance uh, structure is based out of short-term needs. The only issue, if you are not a customer of a, of a financial institution, onboarding times is, is something that you have to factor in when you plan your cash flow. But once you are a regular borrowing customer, such things are, are, are routine discussions between banks and clients. And for supply chain finance or working capital need, whether you want to advance against your procurement order or whether you want to discount your customer invoices, this is something which gets you borrowing, and at, borrowing at a much efficient rate than to raise a four-year term loan. I think what your challenge is, Georgia, is you've got to get the bank to understand your business and you've got to build that personal relationship. So I would be looking for a bank and an account manager who was interested in our business, who listened to the story. And so when we said, look, this is the sort of thing that we have to do as your sister borrows and this is how we made money from it. Once they understand that, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable lending. Christina, is that something that you have? Do you have a good relationship with your bank manager at the moment? Could you go to them for a no. bridging loan? <laughs> I'm happy you're asking. No, I don't. But again, I'm not uh, banking with Rack. Uh, I don't. I feel very um, lost, honestly, when I started because, you know, I was uh, focusing on the business and how I'm going to run it less than uh, that the bank would actually get, be uh, difficult. I must say I was facing even uh, problems opening the bank account uh, forget a credit card. A loan, you get more or less laughed at. Then they say, come back in uh, two years. Let's not forget the, the first two years are the crucial uh, years for a startup, but that's when you need help. Um, I'm just comparing it to, I had a startup in Monte Carlo before I, uh, many years. I'm not going to say how much it's going to make me look old. But I felt that my bank was a partner. They would do much more than just banking. It has to be um, a partnership, like they were helping with networking, introducing me to uh, uh, future clients, um, helping with um, as much as accounting. You know, it should be a partnership. Now, right now, I feel like the bank's my enemy. Normally, if I see my uh, my bank and I don't even have a, a certain person taking care of me, I know that I'm, I walk in with a stomach ache because I know I'm going to either be super upset nobody will listen to me, no problem is going to be uh, solved, or most of the time little things like uh, transfer is every time a different procedure. Sometimes I need my company stamp, sometimes I don't, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a struggle really and I'm doing it all by myself. I'm not doing online banking because I find the fees very expensive. I'm banking both personally, personally as with my company, uh, with that specific bank, whereas personally the online banking is for free and the, the company banking has fees, which is very much for me. I'm sure it's not a lot for big companies, so there should be different fees for different uh, company sizes. And, you know, because I struggle, for me, that's a... And so I go and do my transfers at the branch with my company stamp, and that takes a lot of time and, and anger and frustration. So, Diraj, this must be something that you hear a lot, people's experiences with other banks. 
I think the, I I really appreciate the, the honest feedback, and and this is something that uh, that the banking community worldwide hasn't hasn't done a great deal of job in helping entrepreneurs and small businesses for different reasons. Uh, well, it is tricky. I mean, some yeah, of them go bust. A yes. lot of them go bust. For, so you might not want to give them your money. That's fine. So, uh, lending. You're is, not going to go bust. Yes, <laughs> lending is not the only way of engaging with. That's where the most of uh, the institution. Get it wrong. SME customer is not only about lending; is about helping them and understanding their business cycle. Just for example, not all SME customers are same. The need of a two-year-old company is different from a need of ten-year-old company, and the need of a trader is different from a need of a website operator. So sometimes bank wants to operate in a one-size-fits-all model. We we are not claiming that we have answers for everything but at least we have a sincere attempt to engage with customers and our model is based on engagement and and, and uh, communication for example we had last year we launched a platform called SME Souk where we have access to eight government agencies we have seven credible uh, private players as well as the deals which is on our cards as well as the content so one of the best uh, hit pages and the best seen pages in our website is sme block which is about the content which the smes need the access to agencies which they never get on a standalone basis these are things which are pro bono not a banking activity but you got to engage with customer and to to show to them that you are taking your baby steps to help them and christina what i would say to you is that look a, a bank is is always making an analysis of risk reward so the more data they have the safer they're going to feel so what virtuzone says to its customers when they're interacting with the various banks that we partner with is try and make that information available because very often you have a lot of information to hand that they don't know that will make them feel a lot more secure one of the problems that most free zones do not legally require you to have an audit for example yes. is is thus that i'm sure that you run your business incredibly carefully some people some entrepreneurs are like ah, the money's going to come in at the end of the year and then at the end of the year it doesn't and and rack bank or, or whoever and are in a big uh, area of difficulty so communicate and know what to communicate and and as as Diraj was saying at the uh, at, at the very beginning listing the things that are are required and if you can do that and you can do it in 30 seconds because they're, they're they're busy then that will have much more of an effect Sure. Uh, so, Shirav, I know you have another couple of questions from the ambassador. Uh, something about funding options. Um, yes. So, I mean, from our side, uh, we're a growing business, and, and you look at the current market, you see really two ways or three ways to grow your business. The first is obviously you go through an investment round where you either go to an angel investor, venture capital. Two is you make sure you have enough sales to grow. And three, um, which I think a lot of people want to pursue but just can't, is getting financing from their bank. and one of the questions that we have and we often struggle with is how do you put yourself in a position where rack bank will loan to you um you know in, in our experience we've had both operating for a certain period of time as well as trying to lend on future contracts we provide services those services will be for a duration of time say one year how could we take those contracts and say listen this is income i have coming over the next year how can i use that to take this money now and grow my business so this is a typical contract financing and the only thing a typical bank would look at that have you handled such contracts before 
So do you have the technical expertise to handle that contract? And if that were answered to the bank's satisfaction, it's a future cash flow which can be assigned to the bank and you can and this is this sort of financing against a firm cash flow can also get you a better rate of of funding because this is something that banks like. Banks like something which they can see. And and a contract is something that bank can see. So, Christina, you had in some ways a similar question um, because uh, you wanted to know about uh, as, uh, finance asset purchases. Will they start? Will banks start to finance asset purchases and, and give loans on the back of that? Yeah, to use that as collateral or even more interesting trade financing because, as we discussed before, I'm very um, uh, dependent on my inventory because I do sell products, I do import them, I do pay them 100% in advance. And of course, I was thinking afterwards, you live from the sales and from the turnover, which, which is true, but obviously that is my cash flow um, disaster. <laughs> and uh, trade finance would be, for me, the best solution. But even, like you said, uh, uh, purchasing assets and taking them as collateral, financing that, you know, but trade finance, to be honest with you, it's something that normally banks do. I don't know to which extents the bank and the UAEs do it, but I do know that you're not doing it for small companies, are you? Again, uh, for us, uh, any company who has a one-year-old and has uh, cash flow is, is fine with us. So we don't insist on audited balance sheet either. Okay. So it's fine. We have, we have thousands of companies who's less than two years and, and borrowing with us. That's not a problem. Okay. We, but in terms of understanding uh, the risk and reward uh, matrix, for example, we have a range of asset products which, is, which starts with high rates and go to very low. That depends on the risk and the tenor. And something that you said, if you are buying a, a pickup van, for example, it's a, it's a collateral, you can collateralize the asset and you can get really uh, efficient cost of funding. But if you are wanting a cash loan to do some marketing which does not necessarily get you a bump in the cash flow, this is something you have to pay a bit higher. So it depends on what is the need of financing and what tenor you are looking at. And bank can structure. So that's again, the key is communication between, between the relationship manager and the entrepreneur to come, to come open on what your needs are and what your challenges are. It is extraordinary how much uh, it sounds like everything comes down to relationships. I remember whenever we do a program on property and trying to get your landlord to reduce your rent as well, the experts then always just say, well, you just need to make friends with your landlord. And yeah, I agree. Just, we just got to make friends with our bank managers. In their shoes, your views on the business. So there, according to JP Morgan, the fallout from the global spread of COVID-19 has started to put stress on the credit and supply chain disruption. Yeah, the fallout from the virus will already be causing cash flow problems for businesses based here in the UAE who trade abroad. So to find out more, we spoke to Massimo Falcioni, the CEO of the UAE federal export credit company Etihad Credit Insurance. I started by asking him what exactly Etihad Credit Insurance does. Etihad Credit Insurance is the UAE Federal Export Credit Agency. So it's a federal company established and mandated to secure UAE national exports of goods, services and capital. And is that just for Emirati companies or is it for all companies based in the UAE? It is for all companies licensed in the UAE. The specific mandate we have is to support all the companies which are supporting the non-oil GDP of the country. 
So you are in a unique position to tell us about how COVID-19 is affecting businesses here in the UAE. What have you seen so far? Well, it's uh, very early to make any size of the impact of the outbreak of the coronavirus at the moment. Uh, I read many numbers and which, to be honest, uh, we don't see in the crystal ball and we uh, should not do that. What we should do at the moment is to, for sure, focus on the measures to contain and restrict the uh, widespread of the virus. And as businessmen, we should start thinking about scenarios. So what might happen? So we might think about three different scenarios. The first one is that the major impact will be uh, registered and recorded in businesses in the first quarter of this year. So it means that if, as China already shows some sign of recovery, thanks also to some measures put in place by the government to contain the widespread and also by the government in terms of monetary policies and fiscal policies to help businesses. Okay, so if all these things uh, need some time to be uh, to see the, the outcome of these kind of measures, but we already see in China some positive things. So the number of Uh, people infected is reducing and also we see that businesses thanks to the injection of liquidity are managing the short cash flow that they are experiencing at the moment which is absolutely normal when you stop the production and and the activity in a country like China did in some key areas where there was the virus so the positive impacts on this as already visible in China. So it took uh, one month, one month and a half to see this. So we might expect that the first quarter might be most impacted this year. In the second quarter, there may be still some uh, slowdown, but initial recovery. And the second part of the year, there will be a full recovery. This is one scenario. The second scenario is that still the second quarter will be impacted, and especially in those regions or countries where it was not at the beginning of the year, like in Europe, for instance, and in the US. And there is a third scenario where the whole year would be more or less impacted by this. But uh, I want to be not optimistic, but realistic. At the moment, what we need to focus on is not on the estimate on the impacts, but mostly on the measures. And especially for businesses, what they should do in a situation like this. This is, I think, is the main priority at the moment. So, naturally, my question follows. What do you think businesses should be doing in this climate? Well, uh, the first thing we saw, it was in some sectors, uh, an impact on the demand. Uh, We saw some sectors like, for instance, tourism and entertainment and everything which uh, required movement of people, which were quite impacted. So the first thing is that first important suggestion, recommendation is first protect your employee. Hmm? This is the first thing. So thinking measures to work from home or uh, limit the movement, uh, increasing video conferencing rather than uh, face-to-face meetings and traveling for sure is an important first measurement. The second one is how to manage the impact on the demand. Firstly, talk to the customers. 
or add additional customers to its own customer base. We cannot continue to work in the same way we were working before this situation. So increasing the portfolio of customers is a very important thing. And I'm specifically addressing this to, uh, you know, in the UAE, for instance, we have 94% of businesses are SMEs. And uh, they contribute to 82% of the employment in the country. Many of them, they have domestic activity, domestic traders. My uh, really recommendation is to, you are in a fantastic country, which is a trading hub. So uh, think about to really export more rather than focus only on the domestic consumption. The third, last recommendation would be to protect the payments. So what we might assist globally is that might be a shortage of liquidity. Now, my recommendation is to protect the payments. So to get more customers, offer credit terms, but being protected in case of non-payment. And here where Etihad Credit Insurance, which is an export credit agency from the government, can really support businesses to manage this kind of situation. All of those recommendations sound very, very sensible, but there must be companies out there going, well, of course, we're looking for new customers. Of course, we're trying to look outside our borders. But the fact is, is that right now I've got major cash flow problems to the extent that I don't know whether I can pay my employees salaries next month because the money's just not coming in. What can companies like that do? The important thing is to find several measures in order to uh, reduce the fixed cost of the companies at the moment. Because being uh, agile in managing the cost structure of the company is, is, is uh, I mean, the most important thing, not only in this moment, in general. Uh, I quote Charles Darwin. Uh, Charles Darwin said, who survives is not the most intelligent or the, uh, the stronger, is the one who better adapts. So a company has to be agile in their cost structure. Um, personally, uh, as uh, an export credit agency chief executive, I would strongly recommend, especially those businesses who work on cash basis, and we know that 93% of businesses in UAE actually are doing this, um, to really thinking about, in this moment, to try to extend to credit and take these receivables granted and get discounted by the banks so they can get more customers they can get more business uh, because of the convenient better terms at the moment because it's on credit but they can get cash immediately uh, discounted from the banks if these receivables are guaranteed by entities which are uh, high uh, credit worthiness, like for instance ECI. This is one recommendation I would do. Um, I personally experienced already another crisis. I was in Italy at that time, and as you know, we have six million of companies. Five point six million in Italy are SMEs, and they're all exporters. Most of them, actually, more than ninety percent are exporting. And I remember during that crisis, it was quite difficult for them. All of them extended credit. They kept the demand, they opened to new customers, thanks to the support offered by uh, ECAs or credit insurers. Um, so they offset the impact. But of course, of selling a credit means that you sell your goods, you produce, you pay your cost, you have to pay your cost, but you don't get the cash immediately. This is where the banks can play an important role. Banks can discount. Uh, based on some guarantees, some important collaterals. And this is very clearly stated, and all the banks know very well, that Basel II, there are two articles in the Basel II requirements which recommend to do this. 
and it's the article 676 and 677. They really invite the banks. If there is a collateral or to a uh, funding, uh, which is from an insurer minimum rated A, okay, they can reduce the capital that they put behind this lending, or in general, they can grant more favorable credit. So this is a very important thing. So working together, and, you know, uh, export credit agencies, the bank system, and even the uh, entrepreneurs, we can really make a very good uh, resilient uh, economy at the moment. You mentioned earlier that the UAE operates as a trading hub. Do you think that that might mean that the UAE is going to be particularly affected by what could be a global slowdown because of COVID-19? Well, I would say fundamentals are very strong of the UAE. So uh, we need to see this situation as very temporary. So there might be one quarter slowdown and then there is a recovery. Or maybe two quarters slowdown of 2020 and there might be a recovery. I think that the UAE uh, will have a very important role during the expo period. Because I really see that the Expo 2020 will be the major event which will lead the recovery of the global economy. And especially in terms of confidence, in terms of trade, because this situation is limited in time. And economic cycles are much longer than this. So we need to focus on this. If we just see of today and everyday numbers of uh, predictions, which are estimation, which are totally um, unrealistic, I think we miss the, 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 the clear point. We might have one, two quarters impacted. It's possible. And we need, of course, to put in place measurements in order to keep businesses alive and resilient to the situation. But the second part over here, and mostly in the quarter where there will be the Expo, will be very important. So this is a very big opportunity for the UAE to become the leading country to lead really the recovery of the economy. So that was Massimo Falcioni, the CEO of the UAE Federal Export Credit Company, Etihad Credit Insurance. You're listening to Starting Up with Natalie Lindo and Zone Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub on Dubai I 103.8. So we got uh, Lucy Chow uh, on the phone a little bit earlier today. Uh, she is, as I mentioned, the director of the award-winning group WAYNE, which stands for Women's Angel Investor Network. I started by asking whether the regional startups she knows are already facing cash flow problems as a consequence of COVID-19. This is the bane of every company. So we all know that whether there is COVID-19 or not, the companies fail because they're not monitoring their cash flow. And unfortunately, because of the disruption to sales cycles and also inventory, it's been particularly highlighted by a lot of companies. Oddly enough, my sister runs a travel health business in London. And one of the main issues that she faces is undoubtedly cash flow. It's very, very difficult for her to balance buying all the vaccines that she needs with the rate at which she effectively sells them and administers them. How should a company calculate its monthly expenditure or or its sort of burn rate, as investors would call it? I'm just going to give, and and of course it depends on the industry and the sector, but I'm just going to give a formula I always give. It's not my own. It comes from Y Combinator, which is a really well-known startup accelerator out of the U.S. that invests in startups. And they just say to a company, have a very simple formula, because you have an idea of what you need month by month, 
what you should have as a buffer is 12 to 18 months of runway. And we often think that we need less cash than we actually do. So you add on another six months. So that's a really nice formula. And, and that usually prevents you from getting into a situation where you're, oh, my goodness, I, I only have three months worth of cash in the bank. And when you get to three months worth of cash in the bank, that's not a good situation. But that must be so tricky, especially for a startup. Even if your overheads are reasonably low, how do you start with 18 months worth of money in the bank? No, but you, you know, and this is why friends and family <laughs> comes in when, when a startup first starts. And, and usually the owner or the founders are bootstrapping. You hear that term all the time. And they're watching every single Durham, right? And then, but before someone like an angel comes in, they need to know that the founders have been responsibly managing their money. They need to have seen some history. So I don't have an easy answer, but I think anyone that started a company realizes they really do have to monitor and show that they can uh, manage their finances well. Once you're going, so say you manage to pull in 18 months worth of money that you think you're going to need for the, well, for the foreseeable, how do you then ensure strong cash flow going forward? Because this is an ongoing problem, not just for a startup, but, you know, once you've been five years established, how can you yeah. be sure that your cash flow is going to keep on ticking over? Obviously, number one, create a budget. And this would include your sales cycle. So, for instance, for your your sister, she obviously knows that she might have to pay vendors way before a client pays her, right? She also knows in the travel industry what the delinquency rate might be. So we sometimes forget that when we create a budget, we should also be looking to see and anticipate that there will be times when we're not going to get paid. How often does that happen? How often does that happen in our industry? Number one create a budget. Number two, monitor the results, if not weekly, daily, so that you're comparing your actual cash flow with your budget. And you're going to be able to see if you're seeing that your cash inflows are less than expected, then you have to ask why. Uh, You also have to see if you're paying out earlier than you need to. And once you figure out these variations, then you can also make corrections. Number three, have a plan B. Unexpected events can happen. So exactly like what the situation we're in now with with, um, the virus. So you need to rely and have a backup income source. And and this might be personal assets. This might be, again, going to family and friends. Uh, Have a credit line ready. Apply and have a credit line before you need one. Um, And then number four is to make sure you bill like fast provide incentives, uh, maybe give a, a 10% discount if, if your buyers are willing to pay you within 10 days, for example. Chase, chase every Durham. I really enjoy that last piece of advice because, uh, I mean, even as a freelancer journalist, I often slightly forget to invoice for a few days. uh, And I suppose I need to treat myself as a business. So you should be literally invoicing the moment the work is done. No, absolutely, Georgia. That's fabulous because you're saying, okay, I've made this much on this contract, but every Durham that you don't have in your pocket, it becomes a receivable. And that's the worst thing, right? To, To have to chase after people because you have this huge receivables column. 
And I mean, I can't have you on the line and not ask you how the investment landscape is feeling at the moment. Obviously, in your position at the Women's Angel Investor Network, you see both sides of, of every story, both from uh, the investor point of view and, and the startup point of view. Are people starting to slow down or are they seeing this as an opportunity? So I'm a huge advocate, naturally, of entrepreneurs being the foundation and bedrock of every economy. And I'm asking that entrepreneurs keep going. There, there's obviously money out there. Um, and we, we know that to be contrarian sometimes benefits us. But you have to have, <laughs> uh, have nerves of steel sometimes. I'm sure startups are worried about whether the, the money is still there. And investors are opportunistic. So, you know, there's good deals and there's great companies being formed every day. And so they're going to still be on the lookout for companies, you know, that are investable. So if you're an investable company, it doesn't matter if it's now or, or later. As an angel, maybe, uh, you know, some angels will say, okay, I'm going to pull back on money I was going to invest in a startup and wait. But typically, if you're an angel and you're already investing in entrepreneurs, you're not necessarily going to divert that money into, into another area. You're going to still be very focused on trying to find the, the good companies to invest in right now. So good news for prospective startups here in the UAE then, to a certain extent. Yes. Certainly not bad news. Yes. That's the main thing. Yeah, not, not bad news. I, I mean, as you know, I, I, I always feel that we need more. We need more funders for our fabulous startup ecosystem in MENA, and we, do, we don't have anywhere enough, but this is not a, a MENA issue. It is globally uh, where entrepreneurs find it very difficult to find initial startup capital. Lucy Chow, Director of the Women's Angel Investor Network, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Georgia. So coming up in the next few minutes, we are going to be discussing work-life balance. But first of all, very interesting message coming in, in on 4001. Uh, please do get in touch. You can use the Play, uh, the ARN Play app as well and message us for free. Uh, this message saying, we do not know about the stimulus package. Uh, where can we get the information on that? Well, first of all, Neil can give you information on yeah, that. Well, where do I start? But, I mean, listen, Dubai has unveiled a $1.5 billion dirham economic stimulus package for the next three months, supporting companies in the business sector. The initiative aims to enhance liquidity, reduce the impact of the current global economic situation during the outbreak of COVID-19. A whole bunch of stuff, actually. A lot of it uh, uh, starting off with the, with the tourism sector, obviously. But I went straight to the bits that are going to help startups. That's, that's the bit that got my team excited. So a whole bunch of stuff. It, it looks as if you're going to be able to pay in installments at, uh, at the DED for your company uh, setup. It looks as if you're going to be able to get them. There's, there's a couple of areas where if you're renewing your company license, where previously you would have to have a lease, you may no longer be required to have a lease. Now, that's a huge, you know, so you're looking at perhaps a company license that's something like 50,000 dirhams, but an office uh, rent of 200,000 dirhams. So that's a huge saving if that's the case. We want to get more information uh, So I've that. got a go freelance license, and I was kind of hoping they might, that's come up for 
for renewal, sort of hoping I might get a reduction on that. Maybe I should give them a call. Well, you need to ask us, because seriously, over the last six months, there have been, and you know, I, I think specifically from uh, that sort of license where they're recognising that, that people who are, you know, physical trainers, yoga instructors... That's definitely this, why this, I've got mine. ...this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with journalism. Well, I saw you bending over, picking up the stats on the Instagram. Well, you sound very stretchy. Thing. I'm very so stretchy. So you definitely could do that. So there's a lot of support for these areas where previously they haven't been championed so much. So that's, that's really good. There's a, uh, you used to have to put down a 50,000 uh, deposit for a lot of trading things. That's going to be waived. Uh, and then, as you said, you can please don't start to use your air conditioning too early, but your electricity is going to be cheaper. That's awesome. Getting it right, striking the work-life balance. Enjoying that sweeper. That's what we. That's what we call those right. music. Did you have anything to do that, Neil? Are you a secret rap fan? Hang around. Starting up has the best sweepers, <laughs> hands down. Sweepers are the music things we play in between us talking. We've even got Dolly Parton. We have made Dolly Parton so trendy that she's going to be on the front cover of a magazine again. Do you got the nine to five one? Exactly. Oh my exactly. goodness. I'm so tempted to ask Isa to play that. Have you got the nine to five one? No. We'll, have to bring, we'll bring that in next week. I bet she has. She just doesn't I bet she has. Like she's it. like, no, get on with the programme. Stop talking about sweepers. All right, then. Money is a major cause of stress. A PwC survey's results showed more employees than ever admit to being stressed about their finances. Cash flow and debt challenges continue to plague them, inhibiting their ability to save sufficiently. Imagine what it's like for SME owners. We, and I say we, were facing cash flow problems given the current situation, but every problem presents an opportunity. Here to tell us how to think that way and help realize it is Mamta Sahar. Hello. Hi, Mamta. Hello. Yes, I agree. There's always a silver lining, but you have to be prepared to do the work. Now, let us introduce you. You are a business psychologist mm -hmm. and you are all about seeing those silver linings. You've I developed a, a set of daily affirmations to help people with anxiety get through yes. to the day. I have them in my hand. Yeah, Neil's the more anxious one between the two <laughs> of us, so we've given okay. them to him. Brilliant. We're going we're gonna to tease. That's another radio device. <laughs> we're like sweepers. We're, gonna, we're not going to pull out the affirmations yet. Okay. We're going to make Neil wait until after the next break. You're teasing. Uh, right? we're, we're teasing. That's, that's our vibe. I feel teased. Uh, feeling teased. Feel teased. Uh, and then in a few minutes, we're going to get Neil to, to address those affirmations. I have to Brilliant. admit, and I feel bad admitting this, but I'm not a massive fan of affirmations. Yes. Yet. But so you I hadn't met Mamta before today. Exactly. I'm ready to be educated. Okay, fantastic. You may already have them, a positive narrative going on in your mind anyway, so you don't even need them. Oh, no. The voices inside my head are terrible. Oh, really? Really dark and twisted. Oh, gosh. I well, the, the one outside your head's <laughs> quite dark and twisted. <laughs> Right, I'm going to drag this conversation back to yes. the question at hand. Uh, we are talking about money. It is a major cause of stress. It's bound to be even more stressed at the moment if we're not worried about mm. the zombie apocalypse, uh, which is what I'm calling COVID-19 right now. Um, probably, I'm probably going to get ticked off for that, but never mind. It's not the apocalypse. It's not zombie apocalypse. It's just a bit of flu. It's a bit more than that as well. But anyway, uh, money worries. We all yes. have them, especially uh, business owners who are struggling with cash flow. Yes. How can you work your way through these issues? How can you stay mentally strong mm. in the face of such an onslaught? I think the first thing to do is address your anxiety. So if you, if you scurry around being anxious and you're stressed, you will not be able to see the wood from the trees. That's why affirmations or thinking positively or thinking more rationally is really, really beneficial for you. Start with the basics. And what 
I mean by basics is breathing. So on every affirmation card, this is like an advert, I have inhale and exhale. And the reason why I put that down on every card is because what I've noticed is when we're stressed and as a business owner myself, we can get really, really anxious. We stop to breathe. When you start to breathe, actually what happens is oxygen goes to your brain. You feel less stressed, cortisol relaxes, and you're able to see and think more rationally and clearly. It's really important to write things down. So get your notepad, get a pen, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. What are your biggest worries? If you're, think, if you're in a flow and you're thinking clearly, you'll be able to brainstorm around them. Okay, what can you do around that? What can you do about that? How can you find a bridge between where you are now and where you want to be? I love be? the Winston Churchill list, the list of, of, of negatives and positives. And if there's more positives, hey-ho. Exactly, and don't fear writing down the things that are concerning you. Fear stands for false experiences appearing real. Okay, so often we can create, especially if we're futuristic, which is a real strength, by the way, and we're visionary, and a lot of SME owners are visionary, very visionary, you can sometimes create a picture that's not very compelling. That's what creates stress. It's really important for all of our listeners, whether you're a business owner or not, to know that. Motivation, confidence, aspiration is all a picture in our minds. Think about and analyze the picture that you are creating in your head. I mean, I'm seeing it with the coronavirus. People are getting really, really anxious about it. They're creating images in their mind that are not serving them. Come back to what is real. Come back to what is within your disposal. What is within your gift to think And this is very real, isn't it, Mamtar? I mean, it's like the, the pole vaulter totally. has got to visualize jumping over the thing. Yeah. It works. It, it really works. Sports psychology has proven, and you know, Harvard Business Review, there's thousands of studies out there on mm. Google, that actually if you create a compelling picture, and that's where the, also the affirmations and those aside, having some positive narrative and thinking about things in a way that's more optimistic than it is dreadful and, you know, and, negative. And the first person you need to persuade is yourself. The f that's what I mean about the work. So you've got to convince yourself. And, I, you know, I'm coaching senior leaders of businesses here. Now, if you're jarred by the prospect of business not being great, guess what's going to happen to your teams? They will feel that. It's like a mirror. They will mirror your energy and performance will go in that direction. You've got to do the work yourself. So what am I fearing? You can't avoid it. How can I get over this? What's within my gift? Is it really true that things are bad? Often we need to take a step back and realize that actually maybe it's just the status quo at the moment. Maybe things are okay. And when you start thinking that, then more becomes possible. It's so important that particularly around this sort of day and age, not to get sort of, especially when you just, when you, the news sort of builds in your mind, mm. as, especially as a journalist, like it's my job to read all the yes, stories. Yes, of course. And before you feel the world is imploding by the end of it. Yes. Um, the list making question mm. though, I, I have, I find a slight flaw in that because I find my lists stress me out. Yes. Is that because I'm getting my list writing wrong? Mm. So it's less around a list, it's more around journaling and it's more around writing down. So extracting, it's a very cathartic exercise by the way, get a blank piece of A4 paper, whatever you might find and write down whatever is on your mind and it may be totally irrelevant and then you can do something with that information. You can think about, okay, um, what can I do about this? What is the practical step around this? And just noticing the feelings and the thoughts that you're having that may not be serving you and noticing that and telling yourself consciously, oh, I noticed that I'm feeling a little bit anxious about my online customers not wanting to do business online. That's interesting. Why am I feeling like that? And when you start being your own therapist, which I really believe is possible, you start to support yourself to think rationally. And what happens is when we question and challenge our thoughts, they just evaporate. They have a tendency to disappear because 
the consequence and what's at stake if we don't do that. It's like pushing a beach ball under the water. It's okay, everything will be fine, everything will be fine. Well, it won't if we don't acknowledge it. I've and got actually, a support mentor here, Georgia. I mean, you, you, you mentioned the, the, the verb ostriching earlier. Yes, Surely we're going to bring fear, that into the language. Surely the fear of unknown mm. is worse than the fear of the known. So you write your list, assuming you can read your own list, which I can't. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the advantages <laughs> yeah. of my Should have been a doctor. It doesn't stress me at all because I can't read any of it. That's <laughs> great. For me, it's, um, I think we've just defined the difference. So I write mm. a to-do list mm. and then stress out that I can't do everything. Yes. Whereas you're suggesting journaling, which is much more sort of tracking your thoughts and figuring it out yes and you know I, I did actually go and see a psychologist a few years ago mm. and what was so wonderful about psychology is, is well my particular psychologist would ask me questions and in the process of answering that question so you know what's the worst thing that could yes, happen yes exactly and the process of answering it yes. made you realize that you didn't need to be worried totally and that's what a good therapist or psychologist will do they will they will not advise you they will ask you questions that access your inner wisdom because we all have it the fact that you're you are where you are right now is because of a skill set that you have that has gotten you to where you are and the fact that you are anxious or worried that's a great thing it shows you care stress isn't necessarily a negative thing it's it comes from fight or flight we're trying to protect ourselves but the beauty is and the key is honoring it honoring the anxiety and then wanting to do something about it so there's one level with me going to see a psychologist because you know I wanted to sort out my head slightly mm. but it's another thing for a, an SME owner with like genuine hard hitting cash flow problems they're worried that at the end of this month they're not going to be able to pay their mm. staff mm. because they've got no money coming in at all and realistically the COVID-19 situation is going to last for at least another sure. quarter. How, how would you help them? Because they're like, come on, a bit of journaling's not going to help of me. Of course. Yeah, so I think that's a good place to start. It won't solve all of your problems, but it will definitely get them on one sheet of paper. Hopefully you can read your own handwriting. You might want to type them out. And then think about how you can actually work smart and not work hard around them. How can you be less extravagant in the way that you might treat your staff on a Thursday afternoon? How can you um, save costs? How can you take things virtual? How can you position things so that it's more appealing to your everyday consumer or customer so there are ways around everything and I'm noticing the marketing and the way that things are being positioned out there to make them appear and deem more attractive and some companies are doing it really well and some companies are not they're doing it from a place of fear and a place of apology I think the world gets that there's something going on everybody knows whether you watch the news and you listen to the radio or not you know something's out there and I think we all need a bit of uplifting People will mirror, your consumers and your customers will mirror however you might position your business. So you've not, you know, you've got to um, see the prospect in it and think work smart, not hard around how you save those costs. do you believe in compartments? Because as a business owner, you have to prepare your company for the worst. You've mm. got to say, right, if... 70% of our staff get this and we've got to go and work from home and so on and so on. There has yes. to be a plan in place. Yes. When you're thinking those thoughts, they're mm. not positive thoughts, mm. right? And then you need to step outside of your office and motivate your team sure. so that they hit your targets. Yeah. So how do you achieve both of those things? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. I mean, I was, on, I was talking about this last week with Tom and Zena. It's around transparency and leadership and showing your vulnerability. And as a leader, that's quite a difficult thing to do because you are you know, holding the fort technically and you are there as the leader inspiring people in your business. However, 
you know, when you share from a place of vulnerability and courage, you um, build trust and emotional loyalty in your team. Now, look, it's all uncertain. Nobody knows that you might ha they might be leaving their job or, or they might have to work from home or you might have to close the business. But I think sharing where you are and your contingencies around that and actually opening the floor to ideas drawing from the resources in your team say has look this is my idea can anybody think of anything else that we could do that would save costs what are you willing and prepared to do then you open the forum and you work together as a team so i suppose uh, i mean i've got a friend at the moment who is ultimately she works in an events company and realistically she's probably going to have to ask her staff to take on paid leave mm. for at least a couple of months mm. How would you suggest that she presents that to her staff? You've already suggested that on the floor she should discuss it with yeah. them and see how they feel about it. Mm. But what if they say no and she's got no choice? Yeah. She's, got to, she's got to do it. There's yeah. no options. I think one thing to be really mindful of in business, and, and as a business psychologist, you know, I, this is what I have been taught in my grooming as a psychologist, a business psychologist, is that yes, a business is a business. It's like a parent, but fundamentally it's not a person. So she needs to separate herself from the business. The business does not have a conscience. The business is an entity, okay? So there is a profit and loss. There are bills to pay. There, are rent, there is a rent to pay. And fundamentally, if that cannot be sustained, your friend has to separate herself and say, look, this is my predicament. However, I'm hoping in the future I'll set up another, another business again, or we will win that big event, and then I'll be able to bring you back in. But for the moment, this, the business um, needs and the climate is um, taking me in this direction, and this is what I have to I mean, do. I think that we have to, you know, as businesses, we have to be light on our feet, and we have, you know, you've got to make sure that your employees know where you're trying to drive and if you can create the environment where they too can be light on, on their feet and mm. perhaps change their uh, short-term objectives. Sure. So there are going to be some people that have an itch that want to go traveling or whatever it might happen to be. No better time. Exactly. You're listening to Starting Up with Natalie Lindo and Virtue Zone. Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub. On Dubai I 103.8. Hello there, welcome back. Georgia Tolly here. I'm uh, sitting on the lime green sofa alongside Neil Petch, the chairman of Virtues. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with the colour, Neil. People bring it up, don't I? Well, we have a psychologist in the house, oh, so yeah, perhaps can she can tell us. <laughs> that would be it's very vibrant. It's very vibrant. Just like it? you, Georgia. Well, well, there you go. Maybe I think I match it. Although I'm not that keen on the colour. Uh, Mamta Saha has stayed with us, business psychologist, and she's all about seeing the silver linings in everything. I'm going to ask you to try and see the silver lining yes. in work working from home mm. because in fact we just said both of our husbands are going to be <laughs> yes. working from home in the near <laughs> yes. future and I think it might yes. be that, uh, that, that that quite a lot of people are starting obviously in the UAE mm. uh, government down in Abu Dhabi federal employees are going to start working from home now we just heard that mm. in the news um, how do you stay motivated if you're just if it's just you in a room with the cat? Yeah, I think it's really important to have a little bit of structure that works for you. So not a rigid timetable, but just incorporating a bit of exercise in between. So doing the things that you wouldn't usually get to do if you were going to an office. So maybe that 20-minute yoga or Pilates stretch in the this morning. This is a message to your husband, yeah. I'm presuming. <laughs> yeah, I can't Darling, see it. Exercise. But you know, we you know incorporating the gym maybe in the afternoon as opposed to doing it late at night as he usually does. I think will help you. So being very self-interested, but vitality is super important. So the Harvard Business Review did a study around leadership vitality, and they looked at 
um, what it took for leaders to stay fit and in shape and to have the most vitality because obviously vitality keeps us alert time runs out but if we've got vitality we can keep going and they identified four elements of vitality so I think if we follow this framework we'll be okay working from home spiritual vitality mindfulness time out meditation if, if you're into that sort of thing but just quiet time 20 minutes a day physical vitality 20 minutes of exercise a day mental vitality stimulating your mind not from working from something else and emotional vitality so recognizing how you're feeling what you're thinking journaling possibly so those four elements of vitality they said that if we invested 20 minutes of day a day into those areas into those quadrants then actually our energy levels will so be much up. more effective so much more effective and they caught they called it sparking so they actually studied astronauts in space and they incorporated sparking and dipping into those four quadrants spiritual mental emotional and physical vitality and um Actually, the astronauts, as a result, had more energy in their day to complete their tasks. So I think, you know, if you think about it like that and incorporate elements, windows, you know, psychologists say that you can only stay alert for 20 minutes at a time. So 20 minutes, period, and then having a five-minute break, drinking lots of water, forcing yourself to go to the loo and coming back, going for a walk around where you live, getting that fresh air, breathing in, breathing out. YouTube is phenomenal. There are so many things on YouTube, watching a Mind Valley video or a TED Talk, dipping into the things that we don't get a chance or have the luxury of time Completely to do. Agree. I think this is an opportunity. You know, there's going to be a lot of people working from home. Instead of just thinking it as a negative, do things differently. Mm. Maybe you'll address a problem that you just simply haven't been able to solve before, and suddenly you will. Exactly. It's, it's really important to do it because also this too will pass. And before we know it, we'll be going into the office every day and we'll be a slave to our desk and we'll think, why did I not utilize that time better? So I'm lucky that with some of my work, I do get to work at home, except I don't think of it as being lucky because I really miss the team. Mm. And so how would you recommend people should think about the situation if they're a bit lonely, yes. frankly? Yes, yeah, so I work with a lot of global teams with the corporate organizations I serve in the UK, and we have virtual um, connecting places. So we have a LinkedIn, private LinkedIn page, you have an Instagram page, you have a WhatsApp group, um, you have a Facebook group, and you can upload videos. You could just take it on your phone. That's the beauty of this time. You know, we have all of that technology at our disposal. Sending videos, sending voice notes, having um, a challenge of the day, how many burpees can you do, or whatever it might be. So just having something per day, maybe it's a daily affirmation, okay, or they make something up, keeping everyone connected. I really like how you've linked back round to the <laughs> affirmation. Such a saleswoman. <laughs> because Neil has been twitching twitching around it so the bag it doesn't rustle the bag it's made out of muslin i feel I like it's uh, my, my son taught me cards against humanity and I'm <laughs> oh, about yeah, to, that's awesome. nothing like that i'm about to pull out one okay of these. so on the outside there's uh it's a lo lotus lotus, lotus. Yes. lovely lotus uh, daily affirmations for inner peace by mamta uh, uh, Neil is pointing out that my uh, my manicure is failing once again <laughs> and not matching the sofa and not matching Come on, the sofa <laughs> i'm not getting lime green nails to match the we sofa we have the same color we do, do and mine's failing okay, too. Okay, I'll take over. You, you do the nail thing. I'm Only this was television. The visuals would work. Okay, All you're right. pulling out a card. I'm going to get one okay. too. Okay, it starts as does everyone, mm -hmm. right, Because yes. I was listening earlier. Yeah. With inhale and exhale. Quite appropriate. COVID-19. Shortness <gasps> of breath. Oh dear, I'm breathing, breathing germs all over the mic. Right. I think this one was actually yours, Georgia. I make a difference to the world. Oh, you do. So do you kids over there, your two children Oh, the listening. lovely nippers. <laughs> okay, mine says, I value 
and create how I feel. Yes. You, would What you about, agree with that? No, my husband was a real pain with me yesterday. <laughs> he, he didn't value me and created how I felt. No. Did you plant this one on me? I love myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. Just, These are great. Can I get a pull another one? Because yeah, you, yeah, like, you I fixed got, that. I, got, I can't believe I just ah. named and shamed my husband I hope on the all radio. Of my family, so relevant. I hope all of my family is listening. I am truthful. There we go. I am healing. Okay, so this one doesn't work for me. But this is where my cynicism starts. <laughs> I am healing a small part of the world by healing myself. Yeah. Now, I get the logic of yes. that. But I don't think I'm a healing influence. But you know, no, come on, it, you cheer people up. It's so funny. Tom had the same one last week. And actually, the way that I explained it to him is if he's going to be a right grump, or if you're going to be a right grump, Georgia, and you go Tom to a coffee Urquhart shop. Tom be I a know, right no, grump. He wouldn't be, but this I is would the example. Never, I could never think of that scenario. May, maybe before ever. coffee. And he goes to a barista, and he's, um, he's pleasant. Then actually, he'll have an, that will have an impact on the way the barista is with him and the rest of the customers throughout the day. It will make him feel good to have made somebody else feel yeah. good. And Maybe it's as simple as a smile. And these things create a wave. They create the climate. They create the culture of a, of a company, of an organization, of a, of a country. So actually, we all have a responsibility. You are a snowball of positivity, yeah. Georgia. <laughs> I just like the idea of Tom Urquhart smiling more. He should the light smile more. within me shines bright. Oh, we're going to end on that because I think it's. it's, I, think it's a, <laughs> I really approve of these. I think they're Thank fun. You. Oh, you yeah. came round. Well done, Amanda. We, we around. talked around. Anything that makes people less grumpy has got to be a positive thing, hasn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Mamta was within you. Remember that. Exactly. Yes. Mamta Saha, thank you thank so much you. for your advice. Really, really appreciate it. It has been thank another. You incredibly awesome edition of Starting Up. Neil, thank you for joining me on the Lime Green Sofa. Next Your week... Your light has shone on me. My thank light you, has shone. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.